Covering the crew all season long on WTMJ, it's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue, here is your host, Dominic Catronio. The West Coast has treated the Brewers well so far. They beat the Mariners today 7-3 to open up a three-game series, which guarantees they will do no worse than a split on this 10-game, 10-day trip out to three very good teams west of the Rockies. I'm Dom Catronio. Jeff Cirillo is with us tonight in his neck of the woods up in Seattle. And, Jeff, I mean, you're there, obviously. The Mariners are a very good team, and they're off to a slow start right now. The Brewers come in. They have a balanced attack, even with Corbin Burns getting hurt, and that's maybe the biggest story of this game. Get to him in just a moment. But the Mariners are no slouch. The Padres are obviously no slouch. And the Diamondbacks are the only team you know that have beat the Brewers in a series so far this season. The Brewers continue to impress of making statements. And, you know, this isn't like an emphatic because it is April at the end of the day. But this is something that, you know, proving to everybody else that, hey, the Brewers are for real right now. And it's always encouraging to get that first win of a brand new series. Yeah, and it's a good Mariner team. They're hard to beat up there. It's cold weather, as you saw tonight. It was a nice matchup, though, for the Brewers. I mean, they had their, their ace on the mound, and they had Chris Flexen going, who's a, who's a good pitcher. But it's one of those matchups, when you look at it on paper, that you like, you like the Brewers' chances coming in. Yeah, and they had a game plan clearly in this one, attacking early. We'll get into the offense, a very balanced attack, three hits from Brian Anderson today as well. But we got to start with the news of Corbin Burns getting pulled in the sixth inning. He was motioning toward his left chest. He said so in the dugout, and we just recently got confirmation from the team. A left peck strain is the official word from the Brewers. We'll hear from Craig Council in just a little bit. Now, I know there's some scar tissue here, especially after the Brandon Woodruff situation this past week of saying, oh, it's minor, and then it turns out to be a grade two subscap strain. But this genuinely does sound minor, uh, but... Yeah, I'm going to believe it when I see it kind of thing, but this is, you know, it's April. I don't want to overreact, but this is something to keep an eye on the rest of the year now, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, here's the thing. Like, you know, I mean, when a pitcher pitches, it's his day to pitch, you know, especially a guy like him who prides himself on going and being an ace of a staff and, and being a Cy Young type winner. You know, when usually it's it's a trainer that sees something or a pitching coach sees something or a catcher sees something before the pitcher actually tells you. So when the pitcher actually motions to the trainer and, and he's like, I'm done here, like there's something that, that, that didn't feel right on that pitch. And, you know, it really it looked like it was just something that was it was really um, benign, really. It didn't really look anything that was, was significant. But when you motion to the trainer to come out, you know that something happened. Yeah, and that's a good point that you bring up about him being the, the one reaching out. That inning started inauspiciously. The first five pitches of that inning were out of the zone for him. Remember, he had a four-pitch walk to J.P. Crawford. Maybe he was feeling it there and started to exaggerate during that Julio Rodriguez at bat. And the third time through the order against a very powerful lineup, and at that point in the game, it was still very much a game. It was only 4-1 to one at that time, so... The, the thought is, if I'm not at my best, if I'm Corbin Burns right now, if I'm not at my best, I know I can't help the team win in this situation. And it almost felt like you could see Corbin or Craig Council literally mouth the words and put his hands up like, no, no, not worth it, you're done, because of the fact that he called them out, 
third time through, and again, the calendar still says April. Yeah, right. I mean, it's in, in, to be honest with you, it was a long inning, long previous first half of that inning. And, uh, and playing in that stadium for a long time, for two years anyway, that those April nights, especially if the roof is open, it is an icebox in there. And it doesn't matter if you're sitting in the dugout. And yes, there are some, some heaters in there. But when you're sitting there, you can stiffen up. I remember many times going in between innings, going back out to play third base, and it looked like it felt like it was the first throw of, of the game, or the first throw in warm-ups before the game. So it's one of those nights. It was a cold night in Seattle, and it was probably best to get them out of there when they did. Yeah, one of the one of the guys actually tweeted into me. Uh, I, uh, this is from Owen on my Twitter at dom underscore Catronio. I wonder if he was having an issue with the cold air. That was my initial thought. I'm not so sure now, but maybe you could literally see his breath. And you you mentioned it. You have experience in this, and the guys talked about it on the telecast in the fact that it's an open air stadium. There are no panels to close out there in left field, and you know, obviously here in Milwaukee today, folks listening know that it, winter showed up again today. It was 34 degrees and with some snow, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily warm up there right at the base of Mount Rainier. It's not an easy place to play come April time up there. No, I mean, the, the stadium sits right in downtown Seattle, right off the Puget Sound. The wind always blows in from left field early in the year, and when they built the stadium, I mean, it was a lot of money, and... and it, it, it took a long time to get that stadium, but the one thing that they really wanted, because the kingdom was such a, an eyesore, especially in the summertime when it was such a beautiful place, but they wanted an open-age stadium. So if it's not raining, that roof is open. And I remember as a player, you're like, geez, you know, it's still a nice night. It's 42 degrees. feels like about 35. But when they shut the roof, it's probably about five to six degrees warmer. We'd always complain about shutting the roof, but they never would. <laughs> of course, right? I mean, what do, what do the players know about shutting and opening roofs, right? I mean, fans always want the roof open at AmFam, and they can certainly relate to that. But, I mean, is do you feel like the ball jumps or carries one way or another? Because I thought there were a couple balls tonight that I was surprised didn't have more carry than, than they actually ended up having. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so different. It's the West Coast marine layer, and, and then you put in some water there, and then you get a nice little cold cold front in there with some, some breeze. You know, definitely left field can be can be a little bit daunting at times. We're going to talk a little bit more about the offense in the next segment. Again, we are with Jeff Cirillo with you. We'll be with you all the way to the top of the next hour. we got plenty of time here on the show today. And remember, it's always available in podcast form. Brewers All Access is the name of the feed now wherever you get your podcast. Always ready and available once the shows are done live, or you can always join us here on WTMJ. Or when the Bucks are on, we'll slide over to 94.5 ESPN. Brewers Extra Innings is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank with a local Milwaukee team. Fifth Third also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking value only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, member FDIC. More of Jeff, more Brewers talk coming up. Just getting rolling after a 7-3 victory over the Mariners on 620 WTMJ. Us now, along with Jeff Cirillo, talking about Corbin Burns' injury here tonight. Now, we listening to Adam McCalvey's video that he just tweeted. I retweeted it, at Dom underscore Catronio. Corbin Burns describing his own injury 
as something he feels might have happened on the tag play in the fourth inning. Remember when he caught Eugenio Suarez with a full count and two outs trying to leave early in that bat against Jared Kelnick. Got through the fifth fine and then sat down and it started to tighten up before we went back out for the sixth and everything was really tight on him facing J.P. Crawford like we just talked about, Jeff, and then really started to feel it during Julio. Tightness, like cramping. But the big thing here is he doesn't feel like it will impact his next start. He's That is straight from the horse's mouth. So I'm going to count that as an exhale. He's going to come in and get treatment tomorrow. There has not even been a conversation about pushing back. He says he will be fine. So I think we can all collectively exhale upon hearing that. Yeah, I'm not really sure on that one. But it was interesting because I did watch that that replay of the inside wheel. It was a, it was a terrible play by by. Suarez, I mean, not, not a very good baseball instinct play at all. First and second, three-two count. But when you saw Burns, and I know that he likes to run off the mound, but it did look a little awkward when he reached out, lunged for him, made the tag, and then he kind of did like a little sidestep pirouette and ran ran hard into the dugout. It looked like kind of an unnatural move. So I could see his point maybe hurting it then. Yeah, he, he always makes it a point whenever he makes a good defensive play to show off to his teammates. That's the kind of clubhouse guy he is. I mean, I, the one that everybody remembers is when he caught the pop-up in Pittsburgh last year then sprinted to the dugout, and everybody assumed it was because he had to use the restroom. But the reality was that the joke was he caught the pop-up on Omar Narvaez's dirt, and there was a point game happening and all this stuff. And hey, he was a Gold Glove finalist a year ago. So Corbin Burns, that's the update from him. We'll hear from Craig Council a little bit later. Uh, I, I Before we get to the offense, I do want to talk about that play real quick. I mean, you mentioned, yeah, it's a dumb base running play by A. Eugenio Suarez. But I think that's an example of, you know, Corbin Burns and maybe now other pitchers are going to start manipulating the clock in that scenario. You know, full count, two outs. The guys are always going to be in motion when there's a force play on. So what Corbin did is he came set with like nine seconds on the clock and just waited and waited and waited and waited and then finally kicked with one second left trying to see if a guy was going to leave early, and that's exactly what happened. I wonder if that's going to be a thing that happens around the league now. Well, I, I, I don't really know what was going on there. I mean, just to have the court awareness, though, to come set with nine seconds and to have that in his back pocket, with it just gives <coughs> excuse me the, the fact that, that he had the wherewithal and the instincts to slow the game down, big situation, first and second, two outs. And just, I mean, look, if you're going to give me a chance to get a free out, that's why I always say, like, the pitchers, if you're a pitcher – you know, learn all the picks and learn all the moves just because they can be a weapon out there, and that's what it was tonight for him. All right, let's talk about the offense as they scored seven runs tonight. A very balanced attack. Eight guys had hits in this one. Uh, RBIs from a bunch of different guys. Nobody had multiple RBIs. Uh, I want to start with that great second inning when things really started to pop off. Lead-off single for Telez, then another single by Anderson, then Luke Voigt swinging under control, lining a double down a left-field line. Luke Voigt and, and Joey Weimer are kind of in the same class of they're always up there swinging as hard as we can. But I, I thought personally, maybe you felt differently, Jeff, watching Luke swings tonight. I thought Luke was making a concerted effort of swinging a little more under control. And he gets rewarded with that double. He got robbed on a line out in the sixth. But I thought Luke had a very solid day at the plate. What did you see from him? You know, I think that the Brewers are, are doing an outstanding job of, of- – looking for breaking balls in, in runners in scoring position. Like they're selling out to breaking balls early in the count, seeing it up and hitting for strikes. And then you saw it tonight. I mean, they hit a, hit a breaking ball. Anderson got a breaking ball for a hit. Um, Miller hit a, hit a state inside a cutter inside to push it through the middle. So it looks like they're doing a great job of, of 
of swinging and, and sitting on breaking balls in when runners in scoring position counts. They were definitely attacking early as well. Uh, a lot of ambushes tonight. Uh, granted, kudos to Flex in that second time through the order. He was extremely efficient, did not allow a base runner the second time through the order. Then they got back to him the third time through the order with a few more hits. RBI single from Brian Anderson, another opportunity with a runner in scoring position. Brian Anderson, an RBI in three hits tonight, has very quietly, to the rest of the league anyway, not to the Brewers, if I had to pick a team MVP to this point, it's Brian Anderson. I mean, what he's been doing as a non-tendered guy from the Marlins, finally healthy, proving what he can do for a team. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, I remember we were talking about it. I think it was the Dimeback series. I think it was an 0 for 12 series. And, and he got like a scratch hit in his fourth at bat. And it just kind of like sprung him from the 0 for 12. And, and the hit was to the opposite field. And tonight you saw it. He got a hit on a breaking ball. It stayed back. And then he used the hole on the 4-3 hole. Sure, he got jammed. But, you know, there's definitely more hits down the label than there are at the end of the bat. And just, I mean, kudos to him. That's how you hit 300 is, is using the whole field. And that's what he did again tonight. Yeah, not every ball needs to be 112 miles an hour off the bat and 420 feet. You can make a living just getting hits and making traffic on the base paths. Uh, speaking of traffic, uh, Yelich did not have a hit, but he did draw a walk in this one. He also stole a bag and ended up scoring on the base hit by William Contreras. That came with two outs in a big seventh inning. I think we're going to start seeing a lot more stolen bases now for this Brewers team. It is kind of shocking that Garrett Mitchell uh, only has still one to this point in the season. But Yelly's got four all of a sudden. And I know folks want to say, you know, when he came up with the bases loaded, that was a tough at bat. And he's had a tough go with actually batting average. But every time he's gone on base, man, it seems like he has done something productive. And there are multiple ways to be productive in a lineup. And that's where I see Christian Yelich sliding into this leadoff spot doing. I think you're seeing that a lot in this game. I think the dynamics have shifted. And, and look, front offices are very smart, and the Brewers are, are definitely more equipped this year. I mean, they can, they can beat you more ways. Again, tonight, you know, I keep looking at the end of the, end of the game, the box score, when you look. I know you see the guys that have good games. But then you just look at the totals. And, again, they had five walks and seven strikeouts, you know, kind of into that uh, one-for-one ratio. That, that's such an important ratio. And, and if you look at the teams of last year's past, you know, if they didn't hit home runs, they weren't going to win the games. And we, we talked about how cold it was tonight. And we talked about, you know, how hard it is to hit in that ballpark in this scenario. But Bryce Terang says, the heck with that. I'm coming straight off the bench, swinging at the first pitch I see for a pinch hit homer, his second homer of his young career. I saw Mike Vassallo tweeted the joke that Bryce now officially has more home runs than his dad, hitting his second big league homer, also in the city that his dad played in as a former Seattle Mariner. Man, Bryce Terang... He just reminds me, second baseman as a whole, between him and Owen Miller, had a great night tonight. Bryce Terang reminds folks, hey, I got a big leg kick for a reason. There's some pop in this bat. Yeah, I mean, when the, when the, the leg kick is working and the timing is working on it, it definitely produces a lot of power. Kudos to him. Like, that's, that's the job. I mean, you're coming off the, the bench. You're super cold. You're just sitting over there. The platoon's in play, and uh, and Terang came out there, and, and he just, like, what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to ambush fastball. Threw it right down to that uh, that honey hole for left. He said down and in fastball, 88 miles an hour, and he popped it. 
And for folks who are wondering why didn't Bryce get the start today, it's because Chris Flexen actually has reverse splits. Righties hit him better than lefties do because of all of that breaking stuff that goes into lefties and stays off the barrel. And Owen Miller had a solid day as well to play with that RBI single in the big three-run second inning. And then <laughs> the ninth inning was kind of wild. A two-out walk to Rowdy, and then another single, like we mentioned, with Brian Anderson. And then the, the blooper reel of that, Last play with Luke Voigt hitting a grounder straight to Crawford. And the beauty of it, too, and we'll talk about the bullpen in the next segment, the beauty of getting that fourth run enabled them to sit down Devin Williams, who, oh, by the way, gamer, up there ready to go. We'll talk more about him next. Uh, ready to go for back-to-back days, going for the save, but obviously not a save situation anymore. It's just another example. You put the ball in play, and you keep putting pressure on defense, having base runners. Good things are going to happen. This team does not rely on the home run ball anymore. It's nice when they happen, but they can score in a variety of ways. Yeah, and even Telez bringing home the mail there in the ninth inning on a good throw from Kelly from left field. But yeah, that's that's an uncommon. I mean, as an infielder, you know, you never really want to. If you ever make an error, you never want to go under your glove. Just one of those plays, probably a lack of concentration. But like you said, I mean, even Williams. I mean, he was hot, right? I mean, he was going into the game until they got the fourth run. And I mean, to his credit, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think he was just as happy when they scored the fourth run because he's out there high five and. Um, Piops that was coming in the ninth inning after him, so he was ready to sit down, so he must have been a little bit sore. Yeah, he had to have been. So we'll talk more about bullpen management, about how Craig Council navigated this game, and of course, the difference-making moment as well. That's coming up. Plenty more to come. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Back onto the warning track, onto the wall. See you later. Pitch hit, home run. Bryce Terang on the very first pitch. That was Josh Maurer's call of Bryce's second big league home run. Good to see him back in the box score in a big way. Brewers win 7-3 tonight to open their three-game set in Seattle. I'm Dom Catronio. Jeff Cirillo still with us here this evening. It's time now for our difference-making moment of the game brought to you by Annex Wealth Management. Annex Wealth Management is different, not driven by commission sales or pushing financial products you may not actually need. It's for elite, comprehensive financial planning customized to who you are and what you need. Contact Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. All right, I'll hand the ball to you, Jeff. What is your difference-making moment of the game tonight? Uh, I thought it was definitely the pickoff at second base, first and second, three-two count, you know, uh, and just kind of giving him, giving him, giving him free uh, inning-ending play for Burns to to run back into the dugout. So that would be mine for the day. Yeah, that, that's just a play that, in the words of any coach anywhere, that just can't happen. You know, I mean, Suarez, you're not going to steal third. Uh, it's two outs on a base hit. You're probably going to score anyway. It's just one of those things. The one job is you make sure the pitch gets home. So that's absolutely a good pick. Just for the sake of picking something different, I'm actually going to go with the Bryce Terang home run in the seventh inning, uh, leading off that frame. Because remember, it was still only a four to two ball game, and you're thinking, all right. You're assuming at this point Devin Williams is going to be down. You didn't know for sure. Devin Williams was shown in the bullpen uh, in that seventh inning that he was sitting out there, so that's another thing to keep an eye on. But that makes it a three-run game. They added another run to make it a four-run game. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez hit a home run off Matt Bush to make it a safe situation briefly again. But to start getting some breathing room again, that Bryce Terang against the bullpen, I thought that was a huge moment in this game to just prove like, hey, the Mariners starting to mount a rally? No, you're not. I'm here to set the tone and move things forward. Let's talk about this bullpen. I mean, let's start with Devin. 
I mean, for me, I was very surprised to see him up and ready to go uh, in case it was a save situation in a three-run game. And I think, and you can take me into the clubhouse on this, Jeff, I think something like that, teammates notice that sort of thing, right? It's April, it's freezing cold, you just had a stressful game yesterday, 33 pitches long, and he said, no, no, I want the ball. That speaks volumes for for the kind of guy that he is. You know, I think that's one of those ones where you just, you're trying to blueprint the game, and you talk, you know, I'm sure the council uh, talked with the pitching coach, and then they talked with Williams and asked him, you know, how he's feeling and see if he's ready. Is he, is he, is he a go? Is he a red? Is he a yellow or a green? You know, greens go, reds off, and yellows like break glass in case of emergency. But obviously, Williams talked himself into saying that no, I'm ready to go. So that's that's usually how those work. And, and now you look at it, and there are so many things that happen in this game. Obviously, with Burns getting injured, and I, I look at the way that he handled it. Going to Peter Strzelecki first. Yes, he allowed the inherited runner to score, hanging a slider. He was ahead one and two on France before hanging that slider. But then he settled down and got Suarez and got Raleigh. We talk, I talked about this over the weekend when Peter Strzelecki came in. Uh, we talked about it with you on Thursday, rather, with uh, San Diego. That Strzelecki coming in facing meat of the order, it reminds me. I'm not saying he's this guy, but it reminds me of 2018 Jeremy Jeffress, like they talked about on the telecast tonight, that hey, that moment, that third time through, or whatever the moment is with the meat of the orders coming through that isn't necessarily the ninth inning is just as important in the ninth inning, and I think it speaks volumes that Peter Strzelecki has been getting the ball in those situations lately. No, I would agree. I mean, there's always roles to play, and, and you know, pitchers are no different than hitters. You know, they like to have control that can control and kind of have a, a baseline of maybe when and where, where they're going to go in. But relievers in today's game, it's different, right? I mean, just kind of based on where the where the lineup falls. Obviously, the the hardest outs to get are the ninth inning, and and teams have tried to tinker with that that model of like, well, why wouldn't I just throw the closer in the eighth inning, you know? But it's different, right? The closer is there to close the game, and and so all those other guys, and you know, you pitch your winning pitching when you're pitch winning, and you pitch your semi losing pitching when you're losing, and so they're winning the game, and Strzelecki has become a cog in the wheel for Craig Council down in that bullpen. And then in the seventh inning, Hobie Milner getting the the string of righty, lefty, then switch hitter batting righty, but then there were two lefties to follow him. So that's why Milner got that window in the seventh inning and, you know, a guy getting right back on the horse after the tough outing on Saturday against San Diego. He gets a strikeout on Hernandez, a weak ground out from Kelnick, and another weak ground out from Cooper Hummel. This is just a guy who refused to let people let go by the wayside, acting like this is normal. This dude was a journeyman, a loogie, as in a lefty-only guy, uh, in his entire career prior to 2021, and then with a three-batter minimum, you would worry for his career to change. And he has gotten better than ever since the end of the 2021 season. He has been just as important as the closers for the Brewers of what Hobie Milner has done. It, it's not necessarily with strikeouts, but, man, from a funky arm slot, left-handed, wicked break, and even better control, every bullpen needs to have a guy like that, an unsung hero like Hobie Milner. Yeah, he's one of those guys. I mean, it's, you know, in, in the game of baseball, you know, you either evolve or you go away quick, and people are like, oh, man, I remember that guy. He was really good against lefties. But this guy has, has a knack, right? I mean, he throws his sinkers down and in. He's got a sharp little breaking ball, and he's not afraid to go up top and even come in late. Um 
on right-handed hitters. So, I mean, like you said, he's found a role and he's found his niche and, and he seems very confident out there. And I mean, shoot, I think this guy could pitch probably with every pitch within five seconds. He's working quick as a hitter. I would be like, man, I got to slow this guy down. But in today's game, it's hard to slow down pitchers with the pitch clock. And can you take me into, you know, with him being left-handed, right? And he stands way the heck over there on the first base side of the rubber and yourself, a right-handed hitter. I mean, it's not necessarily a comfortable bat for you either. Everyone talks about him left on left, but it's not easy to pick that up even from that far out, right? Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, look, he's, he still has to tiptoe around a little bit about the righties, but he's got great command, and he's not afraid to use all of his pitches. So, I mean, it, it was interesting. I thought he might come out for the, the next inning because there was a couple lefties starting out, but true to form, they just kind of stayed with the inning to inning so they could use him tomorrow. And then in that eighth inning, Matt Bush, he got the first two outs quickly against Wong and Crawford, then hung a curveball to Julio Rodriguez, and Julio Rodriguez is not going to miss a hanging curveball. It's another home run against Matt Bush. I still think this dude's going to get opportunities in the bullpen, but the home run trend is a little alarming right now, and this one coming on a curve and not on his fastball. But you saw some ugly swings. We have seen ugly swings against his curveball, but everything hinges on on that one pitch for him because the fastball is so straight. Yeah, but, you know, you, sometimes you got to look at the guy's back of the guy's baseball card. As long as the stuff coming out, I mean, it's very easy to go and see see how it's playing as far as velocity and, and spin and all those things that they have today. I mean, as long as the velocity is there, um, you know, you got to trust the back of the baseball card. Yep, he's got plenty of experience and high leverage with the Texas Rangers as a setup man. I mean, the dude pitched in 65 games last season, including 25 of them with the Brewers down the stretch. He will punch out guys. I mean, he's got 29 strikeouts in 23 innings a year ago. Yes, the six home runs allowed in inopportune times. Got to knock down those home run numbers. That was his second allowed this season. Jeff Sorello will be back with us tomorrow for another West Coast edition of Brewers Extra Innings. We're staying up late. It's just another night for you, but we really do appreciate your insight as always, my friend, and uh, back at it tomorrow. All right, go Brewers. See you tonight. All right, Jeff Cirillo here on Brewers Extra Innings. We'll have highlights a little bit later. Craig Council also coming up soon. We're going to talk about who's hot and who's cold coming up next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. And he tags out Eugenio Suarez. Wow, what a play by Corbin Burns. That was Jeff Cirillo's game-changing moment tonight. Brewers win 7-3. to three. It's time now for Who's Hot and Who's Cold, brought to you by Cider Heating and Cooling. Trust in your family's comfort at home with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider's highly trained technicians provide a one-stop shop for all home and business comfort needs, including an emergency service line that's always live. Get peace of mind by scheduling maintenance today with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. That's Cider, S-E-I-D-E-R, dot com. Who's hot and who's cold? Who's hot? Brian Anderson. He was 0 for his last 14 going into the end of that Diamondback series. Then he's got knocks in almost all of the games in San Diego. He gets three hits today. He had the only RBI in Sunday's finale against the Padres. He's found a home in that five spot, had an RBI single on Saturday, also had an RBI double on 
Thursday against the Pods, or on Friday against the Pods, and then finally uh, he was 0 for in that first game against San Diego. But he's really hot on this road trip, starting to get things going at the end of things here for Brian Anderson, who's cold literally the city of Seattle. I mean, it was freezing out there, and we're cold here in Milwaukee, but the, the, the Mariners are now 8-9, and nine, and they're in an interesting spot right now because their lineup is pretty much healthy, and they're not hitting like they expected them to be hitting. Maybe it's early season blues, and remember, this team catapulted, the Mariners did, catapulted into contention last year at the end of the first half when they won 14 straight games, and then that was interrupted by the All-Star break. So this is a team that can get white-hot fast, and that the Brewers are catching them right now might be a good sign. With Colin Ray getting the ball tomorrow, another righty, and if he follows up what he did against San Diego on Friday night, I mean, sign me up right now for that. That would be amazing stuff for the Brewers to get. But I I put Seattle as my who's cold right now. We also got word earlier about Jesse Winker before the game today. I haven't mentioned that yet. But the fact that Jesse Winker, remember on Sunday, he was scratched due to right oblique tightness. Uh, we were joking here in the studio, which, you know, it's, hey, you Darvish on the other side? Oh, yeah, I felt a little thing. That's a joke. That's not real. But uh, you always get concerned when you hear about obliques this early in the season. And fitting, of course, we start talking about obliques in a day that Colton Wong was on the other side. And he had a rough go of it with the oblique injuries during his time with the Brew Crew. But the update from Jesse Winker pregame today was that his pregame workout went well. He was a full participant. He was even available off the bench tonight if necessary. He will be back in the lineup tomorrow. So that's certainly good news. Uh, Like we talked about earlier, Corbin Burns himself believes it's not a big issue with his left pectoral strain. I'm sure getting out of the cold will make things a little bit easier for him. I mean, you look at it now. And I'm not saying that you know American Family Field is a, a you know a really warm place and got the heaters going or anything like that, but you get through this series in Seattle and then you come back home for ten straight days at home. Twelve of those days, uh, you got two off days in the middle of that too. Getting used to some constant weather, hopefully down here. Who knows how cold it'll be in Colorado in the first week of May? Maybe similar to to Milwaukee given the elevation. San Francisco. It's a coin flip in May. It can be warm or it can be cold. The big thing about San Francisco, it's reverse seasons, right? It's cold in the winter, it's cold in the summer and warm in the winter. In the shoulder seasons, you never know what you're going to get. But aside from that, the Brewers are clear weather-wise. You know, there, there's not going to be, unless it's a, a freak-type storm, there's not going to be even a risk for weather, you would think, until mid-May when the Brewers go to St. Louis uh, and hopefully it'll just be warmer by then, no storms yet. But then they go a dome in Tampa Bay, a dome in Toronto at the end of May, and then they'll go to Cincinnati in the first weekend of June. So they're in a really good spot right now as far as playing games guaranteed, should be getting better weather, and uh, hopefully no more soft tissue stuff like this popping up for the Brew Crew and making sure they can make it through this long season A-OK. A, a tweet coming in here from Aaron a five and five on this road trip would be acceptable considering the teams on this ten game trip. The crew can grind out one more victory and make it a winning trip. Tough matchup tomorrow. Ray can get it done if he pitches like he did on Friday and hoping for the best with Corbin go crew. Well, let's talk about tomorrow's matchup. It'll be a really tough opponent. Logan Gilbert, twenty strikeouts. Already on the young season in just sixteen and two thirds innings for him. Opponents only hitting two twenty six against him. 
He is one of the young stars upcoming in this game, one of the new great right-handed pitchers in baseball. This kid's going to be a problem for a long time, and he'll be getting the ball with a 2.75, 2.70 ERA. It'll be his fourth start of the season for him. He's only allowed one home run and only four walks. He is a control freak. He is going to be all over the zone. What will the Brewers do to try to disrupt him? And when you're looking at the Brewers' side of things, Colin Ray, I mean, he was simply fantastic against San Diego, working into the sixth, two hits, one run on a solo homer. That was it. One walk and six strikeouts in that nail-biter of a game on Thursday. Colin Ray, look, it's hard to do it again and again, but if he just does something similar to that, the Brewers will certainly be in a position to win. They did have to use a lot of the bullpen today, but an off day is looming on Thursday, so the Brewers will get a chance to get a breather uh, coming up at the end of this week meaning maybe you'll see Peter Strzelecki go back-to-back tomorrow if necessary. We know that Devin Williams is available, given the fact that he was up today. Uh, maybe you'll see some some guys like Bryce Wilson get some length ready to go just in case. Or maybe you'll see Hobie Milner get a back-to-back in there as well. So there's uh, some opportunities here for the Brewers' bullpen and the pitching staff to keep things going in the right direction in my eyes, given the fact that with the off day looming on Thursday, then you'll play six in a row get another off day before you play the Angels the following weekend, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. So there's an off day, back-to-back Thursdays with an off day. And then there's an off day that Monday when you head out to San Francisco, or excuse me, to Colorado. So the Brewers are going to have three off days, one at the start of this homestand, one in the middle of this homestand, and one at the end of this homestand to line things up and get some guys some extra days as they need them. So you always will take extra days when you can get them in the month of April. Let's talk about Craig Council's comments coming up after the break. Highlights will be after that as well. We're with you until the top of the hour tonight. Longer show today. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Welcome back. Brewers with the victory 7-3 on Dominic Catronio. They're now the second best record in the National League. Only the Braves have a better record so far. Milwaukee at 12 and 5, Atlanta at 13 and 4. They have won 7 games in a row, by the way. Looking around the rest of the league right now, a heck of a game down at Dodger Stadium that the Mets just won. They win 8 to 6. That's now 5 straight wins for New York. They're starting to find their groove right now. The Brewers obviously still at 12 and 5. Chicago beat up the A's tonight. They had 20 hits, including two homers from Patrick Wisdom and a 5-for-5 night from Cody Bellinger. Gee whiz, have yourself a night for Cody Bellinger. All five hits, though, uh, or four of the five hits were singles, including a double for him, too. Pittsburgh, they're 10-7. and Now, I had a conversation with a writer who will not be named. They beat up on Colorado 14-3. to I said there was a lot to like from Pittsburgh's offense, and I, I put a win total on them that I thought was a little overzealous, but I'm sticking to it. I think they're a team that is going to flirt right around 70 to 75 wins this year. I, I'd be shocked if they finish 500, but they are better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. They are not going to be a pushover for the Brewers, and they're doing this even without O'Neill Cruz right now. St. Louis lost tonight, by the way, uh, again. They lose to the Diamondbacks 6-3, to who continue to play great baseball. In fact, the Diamondbacks, it's still very early, but are the only team above 500 currently in the NL West. They're 10-7. and Then the Dodgers are 8-9. San Diego lost again tonight. They're 8-10. So it's a really weird division out there. Colorado's now lost six in a row. 
And then finally, Cincinnati, they beat up on the Rays tonight. I mean, this division just doesn't make any sense. They beat up the Rays 8-1. to And I was on with uh, some friends in San Francisco on, on KMBR last week. They were asking me about the NL Central, why it becomes such a punching bag for everybody else in the media. It's because, well, I said, look, this punching bag narrative is going to end next year when all five teams have a chance to win the division. Truly. There is a lot happening in this division, a lot of positive development happening. And this is why this window for the Brewers feels so crucial. And for them to get off to such a good start in the way that they have has been refreshing to see because they can win in this division right now. And it may be a little bit harder next season to do so. So I just wanted to look around the league there briefly before we hear from Craig Council. Again, we gave you the update earlier about Corbin Burns' injury. But this is what Craig Council had to say about the injury and more in tonight's 7-3 victory. Uh, it's a uh, left pec strain, like chest muscle strain, pec, uh, pectoral muscle, um, minor. Um, you know, we'll just see how, not ruling him out for his next start. We'll just kind of see how he feels over the next couple of days. Um, he's pretty optimistic um, that, he, you know, he kind of did it on the tag in like the fourth, in the fourth inning. Um and he doesn't. He just kind of progressively got a little tight on him, um, and really, you know, kind of called us out there when he just thought it was didn't want to make it any worse. Was that affecting his pitching? Do you think we were looking at the? Yeah, he saw. He thought like, in the a little bit in the fifth, and then and then in the sixth, he just he didn't like how he was throwing the ball. That play was a big moment in the game, just to get out of. Yeah, I mean that, that's like, you know that that just shows a pitcher who is, um, you know, he's got to make a big pitch there, but he's still seeing what's going on around him. Um, so credit to Corbin right there. Um, you know, he, he long hold like taking the pitch clock down, and then he had kind of had that in his mind the whole time. So it was, that was great baseball play. And part of it was taking the clock down. You think that just gets everybody kind of watching the clock? Maybe? Um, yeah, I mean it. It's. Uh, I wasn't. I mean, I thought you know you assume he's doing it for the hitter, and I think uh, Torres was taking some some kind of big steps, uh, some jumping, jumping lead as you've seen a lot of guys do, and just great timing. Big offensively, it was just kind of more of the same for you. Just move the move the runners over, get guys in, and move the line like you like to say. Yeah, we we did a nice job. We did a nice job in the uh, second with it for sure. Um, with just. Getting the leadoff hitter on, and then a number of base hits, um, and, and some guys just making contact that helped us out. Um, and then we just, you know, we did a nice job just adding on runs. How big were those add-on runs, especially you know Corbin goes out and Devin after that long inning yesterday? Yeah, I mean we did, we did a good job just. It, we put pressure on their relievers, kind of this, the, the back half of the game, and um, you know, even even the inning we didn't score, we we had bases loaded, um, so we we just didn't we didn't cash in that inning. But you know, they made a defensive mistake in the end that got us got us, you know, uh, an extra run, and then we were able to to, to sit Devin down, so, and then Yoel did a really nice job getting through that inning. So um, you know, it was a good good win, and should be in good shape. Would Devin have? Sorry. Would Devin have to have been on a shorter leash with early in the year, 33 high stress, or would he have been fine? No, he was he was good to go today. How'd you feel about the way Corbin threw before the Texas? Yeah, I mean he he was you know it, 
when we're comparing to the last start, it's it's a little difficult because um, you know that was as good as it gets. Um, I thought he did a nice job today. Um, you know that that's kind of what that's what major league pitching is. You know, you had you got your A plus stuff one night, and you got your you know your good stuff the next night, and he did a nice job to to get through it. Um, I thought he was having a, having a good start. It's, it's one run on the board, and um, thought he's, he was throwing pretty well. So it was a good start. Really good start, of course. And then the weird sixth inning put an uneasy taste in everyone's mouth, given the scar tissue of the Brandon Woodruff news earlier this week. In the last 72 hours, I tweeted this, but sounds like everything's going to be okay. We'll react tomorrow to what we hear. Um, but, I mean, losing Giannis yesterday and Woodruff over the weekend and now Burns, it's like, oh, my gosh, what happened now in Milwaukee? I mean, all that's left really is Aaron Rodgers to be traded with the NFL draft this weekend, right? Too soon? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> As we're rolling on here on the show, it's late, y'all. Uh, we're here hanging out. If you're listening on the podcast feed, much appreciated as well. Again, Brewers All Access. If you're listening here, tell your friends, subscribe. Everything can be found here, including our Brewers 360 morning news segments with Vince Vetrano and Eric Bilstad and Brandon Snide. Uh, every morning, weekday morning here on WTMJ. Uh, we're going to relive the highlights coming up next from the 7-3 victory. Brewers over the Mariners right here on 620 WTMJ. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of here! Go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. The Brewers had their ace, Corbin Burns, on the mound going up against Chris Flexen on the other side. Things got going in the second. Both pitchers exchanged one, two, three opening frames. Rowdy Telez led off with a bloop single. Brian Anderson, who had a three-hit night, added a single after that. Then the big man DHing Luke Voigt got the party started. Flexen looks back at second and the pitch. And Voigt rips this one into left. That is a base hit. It rolls all the way into the corner before Kelna can get to it. Telez is around third. Stopping at third is Anderson. It's an RBI double for Luke Voigt, and the Brewers have a 1-0 lead. After Garrett Mitchell would be retired, the next batter, Owen Miller getting the start at second base because Chris Flexen has reverse splits. Righties tend to hit him better. And once again, jumping on the first pitch. France at first, and Raleigh does the catching. Ground ball back up the middle and into center field for a base hit. Anderson will score. Voigt will stop at third. It's an RBI single for Owen Miller, and the Brewers have a 2-0 lead. They would add one more run there in that third, the call from Lane Grindle. Joey Weimer would beat out a potential double play ball to bring home another run, 3-0 Brewers. In the bottom of the second, a solo homer by Cal Raleigh was really the only blemish for a while against Corbin Burns. Now we fast forward to the bottom of the fourth. Same score, 3-1, but now the Mariners have runners on first and second in two outs with the Waukesha kid Jared Kelnick at the plates. Still holding, still holding, and now Wheels looks back at second. Suarez is caught in between second and third. He's in a pickle. Adamas over to Burns, and he tags out Eugenio Suarez. Wow, what a play by Corbin Burns. That turned out to be the play that Corbin injured himself on. That's Josh Mauer's call. So what happened was with three, two, and two outs and runners on first and second, of course, the runners are going to get a head start, right? Well, Corbin knew that. He came set early, let the clock wind down to one second, and as soon as he saw the runners break too soon, he turned and wheeled towards second base, 
caught Suarez in that rundown and ended the inning as opposed to actually having to pitch to Jared Kelnick in that situation. However, Burns will be lifted in the sixth inning due to a left peck strain. They consider it minor and still valid a chance for him to make his next start. But now we fast forward a little bit later on in the game. Suddenly an RBI double from Ty France makes it 4-2. to two. Brewers still with the lead. Bryce Terang coming off the bench to lead off the seventh inning. Murphy to Terang, swinging a high fly deep into right field. Hernandez is back, onto the warning track, onto the wall. See you later. Pinch hit, home run. Bryce Terang on the very first pitch. His second homer of his young career. In that seventh, though, the Brewers weren't done. William Contreras joining in. 3-1 pitch, swing, and a line drive, center field. That's in for a base hit. Trotting home from third is Yelich. William Contreras with an RBI single to make it a 6-2 Brewers lead. A balanced attack to this point, and then just for giggles, how about one more wild run in the ninth? Boyd rolls one over to short. It's under the glove of Crawford and into left field. Around third is Telez. Here comes the throw to the plate. That was Lane's call. Two errors you could have put on the play, and the Brewers win by the final of 7-3. to three. They're now 12-5 and five on the season. The Mariners are at 8-9. and nine. So when you look at this box score, right, we, we talk a lot about going up and down and how, how balanced this attack was. I look at this team, and I look at the batting averages. It's still very early, right? But Brian Anderson, the guy who had three hits tonight, is almost hitting 300 at 298. William Contreras leads the way at 313. Uh, Owen Miller is now hitting 294 despite having part-time playing time. The rookie Bryce Terang hitting 283. Joey Weimer is in a bit of a funk right now. He drew a walk but did not have a hit. He hit a couple of balls hard though. Uh, had a couple of tough at bats, but. I look up and down this lineup, there is something about each guy doing their own thing to contribute to the game. Like, look, Yelich was 0 for 4, but he still scored a run and stole a base in this game. Adamas had a hit and also scored a run in this game and played solid defense. Contreras, an RBI single. Telez, a couple of runs scored. Anderson, the three hits in an RBI. Voigt had an RBI and a run scored. Garrett Mitchell kept the line moving with a base hit. Owen Miller, RBI single. Terang, the home run. And even Weimer had an RBI in this one. So when you have 1 through 9 getting production like they've been getting as of late, it's ridiculous stuff. This is not normal for the Brewers, and having guys that aren't relying on the home run, especially on a cold night, right, with 10 hits for the Brewers, only two of them were for extra bases. The big draw was the fact that they drew five walks. So having opportunities all night long is always going to produce well, and once again, you may see this number and say, eh, that's not that good, going four for 13 with runners in scoring position. I flip it around on you. I see 13 opportunities with runners in scoring position. That's excluding the walks. That's still a 300 batting average, y'all. I think that's really, really good stuff for the Brewers and something that is sustainable moving forward in this season. This is a very well-constructed roster as of now, withstanding some injuries too. Look, Luis Arias is still hurt. Tyrone Taylor is still hurt. Brandon Woodruff's going to be out for a while. But it feels like the Brewers haven't skipped a beat. And they're 12-5, and five, best in the Central, second best in the National League. And I understand if 
you're feeling a little bit of uh, you know PTSD here, given the Brewers had the best start in franchise history 50 games in last season. We all know how that ended. I would hope that folks have learned about that lesson and trying to move forward here in 2023 because this is a very good team. The rookies are performing. The pitching staff is there. The bullpen is doing enough. There is a lot to like about the Brew crew, even if you don't get the national recognition. It's going to be okay. And, man, this team's going to put on a show every single night that they go out there onto the field. Great stuff from Milwaukee tonight. We're going to look around the league. No minor league scores to get to with, you know, Mondays being the off day in minor league baseball. Uh, but we'll look around the league and get you ready for tomorrow's matchup once again. Brewers beat the Mariners 7-3. Getting ready to wrap up the show here. I'm Dom Catronio. Hey, what can you do in two hours, five minutes, and 54 seconds? That was the winning time today for the Boston Marathon. Evan Shabet of Kenya with the win, defending his title. Congratulations to him. As there was one major league game this year that was, uh, or today I should say, that was faster than the Boston Marathon. That was the Rangers blinking the Royals 4 to nothing. That was done in two hours and two minutes. By the way, Helen Oribe, uh, Obiri won the women's leg of the Boston Marathon at 2.21.38. When you look at that time, there were a total of only one other game, actually, falls faster than that. San Francisco falling to Miami, 4-3. to That game was done in 2.19. Unfortunately, there was rain all day long in Boston, uh, despite that the Marathon Monday, always a big celebration. You get the early first pitch and everything, uh, an 11 o'clock first pitch. Uh, out in, uh, or a noon first pitch, I should say, out in uh, Boston. But rain, and Shohei Otani was getting the start, but rain brought a delay in the uh, third inning, and he only pitched his first couple of innings, and delay pushed him from that game. And would have loved to have seen Shohei, you know, kind of shove on a marathon Monday start. That would have been a whole lot of fun. By the way, the Angels won that game by a 5-4 to four final. Hunter Renfro hit a home run in that game. The Angels will be here in Milwaukee coming up, uh, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. The Red Sox are here this weekend. You get this interleague flavor going starting, of course, today with the Mariners. But then you've got you know two more games with Seattle. Then you've got three with the Red Sox at home Friday through Sunday. Three with the Tigers at home Monday through Wednesday. Off day next Thursday. And then you get three with the Angels and Shohei Otani. Now, just judging by days off and looking ahead and trying to speculate their schedule, I'd have to imagine that the Brewers are going to miss Shohei Otani pitching. He's obviously going to hit. But I imagine the way things look right now, if he pitches every fifth day like he's scheduled to, especially after getting cut short today, I imagine the Brewers are going to miss him on the mound, which I am certainly not going to complain about, but he is going to be a thorn in the side to deal with offensive-wise, and Mike Trout, of course, and Anthony Rendon, uh, and a couple of rookies, Zach Neto and Ohapi as well. So the Angels are here in two weekends. Red Sox are here this coming weekend. Uh, that should be a whole lot of fun. Also got to see old friend Cole Wong today. He's been off to a slow start. I tweeted the numbers earlier. I, I, I really root for Colton everywhere I see him. I think he's a great dude and a great ball player, and I know he'll figure it out, but as a couple of Brewer fans mentioned, I hope he figures it out after the Brewers leave town because this is the only series they have head-to-head of course. 
How about Bryce Terang, man? Great moment for him coming off the bench. The Brewers' second baseman continues to deliver, and the Brewers get a big Game 1 win against the Seattle Mariners. The pitching staff steps up when Corbin Burns was injured, but it sounds minor in this one. On the air, same time, same place tomorrow. 8.05 is our pregame coverage right here on WTMJ. Uh, And then the Brewers will first pitch at 8.40 against the Seattle Mariners. So we'll have a postgame for you tomorrow as well. No postgame on Wednesday with it being a day game. And then we are off coming up on Thursday. We all could love an off day. I will have Brewers Weekly that night as long as there's no Bucks, of course, which I think there is Bucks that night anyway. I'll get back to you on that. Thank you so much for staying up late with us tonight. For Jeff Cirillo and my producer, Tommy Wirtz, I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.